Hey, what's going on up there? What was that? Holy crap! Jesus, that was a great kill! Oh my god, did you see that, Cory? <laughs> Happy Halloween, all you ghouls, goblins, and fiends. I'm Jake Horrifying, and this is Dude Horrifying. Today we're going to be talking about the epic conclusion of the Halloween saga, Halloween Ends. This movie is a very controversial movie, and since its release has brought on a lot of conversation on all of social media about people's different opinions on this. So for this Halloween, I wanted to give you my very first Halloween special, reviewing and discussing Halloween Ends, and man am I excited for this. For those of you that haven't seen Halloween Ends, go check it out right now. It's available on Peacock for streaming, or you can still go see it in theaters. Right now, tonight, Halloween night. But I imagine a lot of you have seen it. It's been out for a couple of weeks. It's something that I've wanted to sit on to get my thoughts on, see how I feel about it. Because initially, leaving the theater, I thoroughly enjoyed Halloween Ends. In fact, of this new trilogy... And don't get me wrong, I think Halloween 2018 is a better film. Halloween Ends was one that I left very pleased with after leaving. It was one that I felt the most satisfied with, the most content with. I was very happy with how it went. And there's reasons for that. So the first time I saw it was the Thursday night opening weekend. And I saw it in Universal City Walk. Went to Halloween Horror Nights after. And it was awesome. We got to see it in XD. It was a great time. I walked away extremely pleased with what I had seen. I love the story. I love how different it was. So going into this, I hadn't seen the trailer. So I just, I just really enjoyed it. I really vibed with it. Then the next day, I got to go to Blumfest. Yeah, Blumhouse let me come to Blumfest. It, they didn't invite me. Uh, this isn't paid or anything like that. This is all my personal opinions. But Blumhouse let me come to Blumfest where I got to see a lot of the Screen News costumes, which is super cool to see. I got to see the Screen News Myers costume, the Screen News Lori Strode costume, a couple of Allison's costumes, one of the ones that was worn by Corey Cunningham, which was super cool. Jeremy's parents were there, but not the actors, their costumes. It was super cool, though. That was one of the big draws. They had a whole black phone segment, which I would have loved to have gone and seen that part. But sadly... We couldn't quite make it in time, but we were there for the Halloween ends portion. So getting to see it again, knowing what I knew, I got to see a lot of the stuff that I missed the first viewing. And I left that viewing even happier. I guess there's some things that I should say first. First of all, I'm a big fan of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It is top three favorite Halloween films of all time. The only two Halloween films I have in front of it are Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018. This film I don't think is better than Halloween 2018, but I did enjoy it more than Halloween 2018. Of course, Halloween 78 is my favorite film of all time, so it's going to be hard to ever get close to that. One piece, though, that I should talk about is Halloween Kills, because I enjoyed Halloween Kills. I think Halloween Kills is the most fun in this franchise, or of the new trilogy, but Halloween Kills and Halloween 2018 do a really good job at setting this up. And I've seen a lot of people going on that they don't think that, that this, was, this came out of left field for them. But I don't think it did. I think this actually is in line with what they've been setting up since the beginning. So Halloween 2018 is a film about Laurie Strode and her struggles, right? So Laurie... She's battling these inner demons. She's battling this inner evil within her. She wants to kill Michael Myers. She wants to commit this evil act and take out this man that caused so much negativity to her life. So she is 
hoping that he escapes so she can hunt him down. And she's been preparing for this for 40 years. This evil is in Lori. Now, people don't get that. I've seen people completely not understand that. But that's why in 2018's film, shots that you saw Michael in in the 1978 film, Lori is now taking place in. So, for example, Allison's at school. Allison looks out the window. Lori is across the street watching. Or, Lori gets thrown over the side of the balcony. Michael, now in Loomis's footsteps, walks to the balcony. Lori's not there. That's to show that evil has kind of infected Lori and her thought process. And that is why she is the way that she is in the, that film. Is because even though Michael hasn't given her this possession of evil, his actions has caused her to have fear. And that fear has led to anger. That anger has led to her doing things that some would perceive as evil. It's kind of like Star Wars. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And then, and Halloween Kills, Halloween Kills is about evil seeping in and taking part in Haddonfield itself. That's why the scene with Tivoli. The mental patient that also escaped alongside Michael Myers getting hunted by Haddonfield and leading him to a suicide was such a big deal. People thought that it didn't make sense, it was out of place, but that's the story that they're trying to tell. There's a, there's a message within these films that this new trilogy has been trying to convey, but people keep going into this with this mindset that it's a slasher film and that there's nothing to it, but there is, there's a lot to it. It's not just a slasher film. This is something about this evil that is taking place. So you're seeing people get pushed to do things that they wouldn't normally do, thus leading to Tivoli's death, the death of an innocent man, which is quite tragic to see whenever you see it in Halloween Kills. And it's also quite shocking. With that said, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills are great films. I know a lot of people don't like Halloween Kills, but Halloween Kills, I mean, it is just full-on Halloween. It's more full-on Halloween than Halloween 2018 is. I mean, you have your 78 flashback sequences, which look fantastic. And then you have The, Meyer, the Return of the Myers House, which totally makes sense. Shit, if I made a Halloween film, the Myers House would be like, a bed and breakfast or something. Kind of like how uh, the Lizzie Borden house is in Massachusetts. So with the return of the Myers house and the 1978 flashback scenes. And you're seeing Michael on this full tilt boogeyman rampage. You're getting some of the best Halloween content you've ever gotten. In terms of your Michael Myers going on a killing spree on Halloween. Isn't that subsequently what people want? Is to see Michael go kill people and there be someone that lives at the end i mean that's like the baseline of every halloween film and that's exactly what halloween kills is it doesn't do anything new but with the stuff that it does do it does it extremely well the kills are very violent you're seeing a lot of a lot of easter eggs but not to where they're where they're, they subtly fill in to the story like your children wearing the silver shamrock masks or the dudes living in big john and little john living in the myers house you're seeing these things, these little things that make sense to be in this universe, take place within this universe. So, it doesn't do anything new, but it's a ton of fun to see. Halloween Ends is saying, we're going to do something new here. Like, here's the deal. And a lot of people might not like this. One of the biggest complaints I've seen about Halloween Ends is that it is supposed to be this big, epic, climatic conclusion to the Halloween franchise. We've already gotten that. We've seen the end of Laurie Strode's story four times. We've seen it in Halloween 2, which was supposed to be the original ending of the Michael Myers Laurie Strode saga. We've seen it in H20, which was supposed to be another ending of the Michael Myers Laurie Strode saga. We've seen it in Halloween Resurrection, which was supposed to be the conclusion, the, the absolute final conclusion of the Michael Myers Laurie Strode saga. Halloween 2018 wasn't originally supposed to be a trilogy. 
we saw the ending of the Michael Myers Laurie Strode saga. I mean, it gets to a point where how many times do we have to rehash the same thing? How many times do we have to watch the same dude, Michael Myers, go after the same final girl, Laurie Strode, over and over again? And there be different outcomes and different kills along the way. How many times do we have to see the same thing until we get fed up with it? And I get that's a part of the slasher genre, but the slasher genre could be so much more. Think about what Scream did in 1996. It revitalized the genre. It gave it a whole new meaning. It gave it a whole new roadmap that we could go by. Resurrection, I think, is the worst fucking Halloween movie of all time. It did something at least unique. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, also pretty bad. Got Got a lot of respect for it, though. It tried to do something unique. Halloween Ends does something unique, but I think it lands it. I think it lands it extremely well because of the story that they've been setting up from the beginning of the beginning of this trilogy. With that said, it does have its flaws. It does have its issues, and I'll totally get into that. But this will be a full-fledged review of Halloween Ends. I want to start off by talking about our actors. Jamie Lee Curtis returns as Laurie Strode. Andy Matichak returns as Allison. And then we have newbie Rohan Campbell playing Corey Cunningham. And then finally, because this is a rather small cast of main characters, you have James Jude Courtney returning as The Shape. The cast is pretty great in this film. If I must say so myself, Rohan Campbell, he's a standout. I know a lot of people are going to hate on him because of the character that he plays. But the way he plays Corey is is perfectly done. Corey is a troubled character. Tr- Corey is a character that he's got great intentions. He's a good kid. But bad things have happened to him. And he comes from an abusive household. The way his mother treats him is extremely abusive. And you see him fighting these inner demons. But he still manages to be this quiet, good kid. At the, like... You could see it in his face that he's just this quiet, good kid. The point that you see him turn is whenever he meets Michael. And then Michael possesses him with evil. And people don't like this. I get it. It's different. This isn't something you've seen before. So you immediately throw up your guard. But hear me out. This film, I've seen people compare to Christine. And I've seen people, some people criticize and say that it's copying Christine. I don't think that it's copying Christine, but I think there are Easter eggs in the in this film to help horror fans, like the big horror fans, connect this to Christine so they understand what's going on here. So from the beginning of the trilogy, from 2018 to now, you're seeing evil take place, and it's all because of Michael. So Michael's already been possessing people with evil. Though not directly, it's indirectly. Evil is taking place indirectly because of Michael. This is to show that evil can take place directly from Michael just by kind of looking into his eyes, which hammers home information from 1978 where Loomis talks about looking into his eyes and seeing the devil's eyes. The blackest eyes... The devil's eyes. Now the reason I bring up Christine is there is a lot of comparisons to be made here. First off, Corey Cunningham. He mirrors the character of Arnie Cunningham. And also, if you haven't seen my Christine episode that I posted earlier this summer, I'll uh, I'll be sure to post it and link it into this video so that way you can check it out. But... I really go in-depth with Christine. I had no idea that this was going to end up tying into that, but hey, let's do this. But Arnie Cunningham and, and Corey Cunningham, very similar characters. But first off, they both, even though Arnie doesn't work, he well, he Arnie's working at Darnell's and Christine, whereas Corey is working at his father's auto shop and Halloween Inns. They both get possessed. Their personalities both change. They become different people. They get possessed by this evil from another entity. 
They share a lot of common traits. They have a woman that they meet, uh, not necessarily after the turn, because Corey meets, Corey meets Allison before he turns. But you get to see this manifestation of evil taking place within someone. And I don't think that they were necessarily copying Christine, but I think they had this idea of, hey, let's make Michael possess people with this kind of evil point of view. And then it was like, and then to ease the audience into it, for them to be like, this is stupid, we'll show them that Christine was something where this has happened before, and that, though we're not copying Christine, that we're saying, hey, it's kind of like Christine. Also, it helps pay tribute to Carpenter, who directed Christine, so, you never know. But Corey, this possession of evil over him, is causing him to go on this rampage but there's so much that leads up to that i guess we should start off with the beginning of this film otherwise i'll jump all over the place i kind of already have but we're going to start from the beginning Corey begins babysitting babysitting jeremy halloween night 2019 you can already see the events of the previous year already having an effect on this night in 2019 as jeremy's mother alerts jeremy on Jeremy's behavior due to the incident last year with Michael Myers and his fears from it. Jeremy, being the little shit he is, ends up locking Corey into an attic where Corey freaks out and kicks the door, subsequently leading Jeremy to fall to his death. Thus, people labeling him a murderer. With that, this is going to show how Haddonfield needs someone evil. How Haddonfield needs a boogeyman. So people blame Corey. People say that Corey is evil. It's kind of a part of this whole thing that Dave and Gordon Green's been setting up from the beginning. Whenever the town of Haddonfield needs a boogeyman, they get their boogeyman. Tivoli and Halloween Kills. That was their boogeyman. They had to chase someone. They had to kill someone. Rohan, or sorry, Corey. He is their boogeyman now. He is someone that has committed this heinous crime. Even though it was a pure accident, people look at him like he is the devil. And that is a rhetoric that's been set up since the beginning. Haddonfield is so blind by this evil that that they can't see clearly. They can't see... They see this town as a curse. And... Halloween Ends really tries to set this up at the beginning, but it does it so quickly that it doesn't mean anything. To start, you see Lori and Lindsay witnessing the suicide of Oscar's mom from 2018. You see a couple that have bullet holes in their heads. You're seeing this this curse kind of take over Haddonfield, this, this evil curse that's taking place because of what Michael had done starting 40 years prior. Well, I guess 44 now. But this evil has taken over this town and has kind of made it, it makes it a depressing place to be. Where not much good happens out of it. All you get are these negative headlines. And people constantly have to create their boogeyman. Another thing that's briefly looked over at the beginning of the movie is that the Myers house got torn down. They decided, hey, you know what? Michael has done enough. We're going to tear down this house. And this man that could potentially be out there has nowhere to go. And that is why Michael is in the sewers. One of the things about Halloween Kills, and it's the tagline of the original 1978 film, is that it's the night he came home. Michael's always trying to go home. He's trying to go back to the Myers house. With it gone, he's got nowhere to go. So where does he go? The sewers. He hides there. There's a lot of stuff that gets overlooked in this film that I've caught in later viewings. Missing people billboard for Halloween nights of previous years. Michael has killed multiple people since the end of Kills that people aren't seeing, but you kind of can tell through the little Easter eggs that they're placing throughout this entire movie. 
So we jump from 2019 to the present time. Corey gets bullied by some kids, some punk band kids from Haddonfield High, and Lori helps him slash their tires and takes him to the hospital after he sustains an injury, where he meets her granddaughter, Allison. This is because Lori doesn't want Allison with Doug Mullaney. Little Easter egg here. The Mullaney family is referenced in Halloween Kills at the 1978 sequence. I think that the Mullaney's were supposed to be set up to be something bigger, but they weren't. Uh, I was, I'm was. i curious. If I ever got the chance to sit down David Gordon Green, I would love to know where the Mullaney's were supposed to go or if this was the plan to begin with. But I seriously doubt this was the plan to begin with. It feels like they had to change that up. But Doug Mullaney is a cop, and he's kind of a douchebag, which you'll get to see him pop up later. But it's pretty clear that Allison doesn't want to be with him and that Lori wants her to be with someone that makes her happy. So she brings some Corey Cunningham, who's got this gnarly cut on his hand. This is when we meet Dr. Mathis. Oh, another thing that got set up in Halloween Kills. What was the nurse's name? Vanessa. Vanessa from Halloween Kills. She's the woman that shoots herself by accident. She talks about Dr. Mathis in Halloween Kills being this creepy pervert type of character. Well, we get introduced to him. And surely enough, the first thing we hear him say is that Allison is cute. And Allison's trying to make a promotion. This plays another big part. Everything that takes place in this movie sets up for later on. And a lot of the stuff that's happening in this movie is from the previous films. The only thing that we don't have in the previous films that I think we should have had was Corey. So Allison gets to know Corey and they talk and Allison talks about how she has an issue with her car. And Corey says, well, I can fix it. And you get to start seeing their romance take place. Now, I've seen a lot of people criticize the Allison romance talking about how it doesn't make sense that it focuses too much on Allison. This is crazy, but Allison is the protagonist of this entire trilogy. Not Lori. Lori's a pawn. Allison is the main character. Alice is the protagonist. The movies are focusing on Allison. Now, Lori is a big part of it, but I think that the movies, the whole point of these movies was to, to be a torch, a pass down of the torch. Kind of like how the Star Wars sequels, as good or as bad as they are, I don't give a fuck what you feel. I personally don't like them, but it's to pass down the torch to Rey and that whole the new generation. I think that's what these movies are supposed to do. Allison is very much the main protagonist. It focuses on her story, on what her family is like. And it does do that with Lori, but I feel like Allison is much more the main focus. And then Halloween Kills reiterates that Allison is the main focus of our story by sidelining Lori. I think people mis misread that whenever that movie came out. And people were upset about that. But Lori's not the main character. Allison is. So, of course, this is going to talk about Allison's love story. This is going to talk about Allison. Because Allison is, again, the main character. Now, in the case for Halloween Ends, this is the weird part. This is something I don't like. Is that her character, though this is her story, gets sidelined for Corey. I think Corey's story stays, should have stayed the same, but you have to put more of a focus from Allison's point of view. Corey is a great character in showing this development between him and Allison. Allison having dealt with Michael the years prior and Corey having dealt with the accidental murder uh, back in 2019. You're seeing this dynamic form between people that have been through a lot and have people that look at them funny whenever they walk through town. Now there's a scene in this movie and it's with Lori and it feels weird. There's a couple scenes in this film that feel weird that deal with Lori. One of them is with Sandra Dickerson. If you don't know her, she showed up in 2018 as the lady that is working at the funeral home. And Halloween kills. She and her husband are flying a drone. She gets stabbed to the neck with a fluorescent light bulb. Well, she's still alive. She can't speak. So her sister says, this is your fault to Lori, saying, 
she she called out this mentally ill man and is the reason all this happened and i don't like that now but i do think that it is more in line with the story of this trauma and how people view things but like how did news not break out about about sartain dr sartain freeing michael in 2018 like that's what i don't like about that is Every like Hawkins knows Hawkins told everyone Sartain did this. Allison was there. How is that not big news? And that that'll come up later when Allison blames Lori. How are you how are people blaming Lori when Sartain is the reason all this happened? It doesn't fucking make sense. It doesn't make sense for the story. I get why they tried to do it, but it didn't work. Like I said, this movie's not perfect. But Lori, you get to see her relationship with Hawkins these four years after 2018. You can tell they have feelings for each other. And Allison is getting ready for this party, this Halloween party that she wants to take Corey to. And this will be a pinnacle point in the story because it is at this party that Jeremy's mom is for whatever reason there also another thing i'm not a big fan of and she goes off about how Corey murdered her son and just so on and so forth that Corey's a murderer and he panics and leaves allison follows him out and he's just upset and says things that that he doesn't want to be her project and that he doesn't want to be her responsibility and he storms off well that's when the band kids that he slashed tires from earlier just see him walking on the side of the road pull over and start fucking with him this would lead to him getting thrown off the side of a bridge and his first encounter with michael people are upset about this but this is the best part this is the best part this is so much fun michael myers isn't two-dimensional anymore he's not Fucking Terminator sent on this mission to kill people. Even though there's no one that gave him the mission. He's got no motivation. This is this goes more in depth about his evil. His pure evil, as Dr. Loomis would say. This dives into it. He looks Corey in the eye and he sees these cracks. It's he, Michael sees the cracks of this town that has, has abandoned Corey. Has made Corey out to be the bad guy. Corey's abuse at home and he's seeing the cracks and he infects it and this is something that bring, gets brought up later because he's got this g giant cut on his hand that gets infected also he's infected with evil Michael infects him Michael sees those cracks and he fills it with evil it's fucking awesome it makes complete sense Corey, a broken man looks into the devil's eyes and doesn't fucking stop it doesn't he can't stop it he succumbs to it loomis a psychiatrist is able to look into, into michael's eyes and he can he can fight it he can he can identify those are the devil's eyes Corey cannot Corey succumbs to it Corey takes this evil michael possesses him it makes sense it's been set up since the beginning this infection of evil is all from Michael, whether indirectly or directly. This is the first time you get to see it directly. It's the best fucking part. Then, the very next scene, you get to see Corey kill some homeless man. Now, I will say it was in self-defense. The homeless man was like, why did he let you live? And straight up attacked Corey. But still, this is now starting to happen. The ball is starting to roll. It's no doubt that Michael got sidelined for this film and that Corey very much takes place as the protagonist slash antagonist. Uh, though I do think it's Corey's story, so that would make him the protagonist. Just he's a bad guy. Is he? I mean, we'll talk about that more. But now it is showing the cracks within Corey has been filled with evil and you get to see it manifest. But I think there's still good in Corey, whereas in Christine, because I'm circling back to Christine, with Christine, 
Arnie was so obsessed with Christine that he threw away the people in his life that were close to him. Here, it's not that he's obsessed with evil, but he's holding on to Allison as this crutch. And Allison is his driving factor, but it's burning him alive to be treated the way he is. And with that evil, it's starting to really get into his head and causing him to do things that he wouldn't have done prior. So now we get scenes of Allison and Corey's romance getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You find out Allison didn't get the promotion because it's the other nurse who I didn't care to write down. I don't really care about the character. She's sleeping with Dr. Mathis. Big shocker. I mean, you find out the dude's a perv. So, I mean, couldn't have done... I, I could have figured as much that she was sleeping with him. She gets this promotion and... All this wrongdoings being done. And Corey and Allison go on a date. They go on a date. And this is a significant scene. Because there's a symbolism behind it that becomes literal. So in this scene, we're going to talk about Doug Mullaney first. Doug comes and encounters Allison. And Doug's talking to Allison and saying, you haven't called me back. What's up with that? And then Allison is talking about how she's seeing someone and she doesn't want him there. And when she starts antagonizing Corey. Well, when he antagonizes Corey, Corey gets upset and stands up and defends himself. And that causes Doug to back down. This is crucial part, crucial, crucial part, because this will set up uh, like the ending of the whole fucking evil part. But Corey's talking to Allison and he says, I want you tell me when to burn this place down. And she goes, let's burn this place down. And he goes, I'll light the match. That's it. That's symbolism. Because she's over it and he's over it. They're both fed up with the way that Haddonfield has treated them. How the evil has, has looked at them. I know that that might not make sense to some of you, but you have to understand that Haddonfield itself is infected by this evil indirectly from Michael Myers, like I was saying earlier. And these are people that have been affected by that and are done with it. They're overfeeling the way that they feel. So that night, in good Halloween fashion, Doug chases down Corey because he wants to kick his ass and threaten him or something. I don't know. And Corey lures him. Into the lair of Michael Myers. And then we get to see the Michael Corey showdown. Where they both take on Doug Mullaney. Now Michael, you'll notice in these early scenes, he's rusty, he's old. And people don't like that. They're like, that's a completely different dude from Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills has this whole monologue at the end of it. Where Laurie talks about the evil of Michael... And she talks about how he transcends every time that he kills. And he hasn't been killing that much in the last four years. So it would make sense that he doesn't have this, this, that this age is getting to him and that he doesn't have this power. Because if he transcends every time he kills and he hasn't killed like that in four fucking years, except maybe one or two every now and then, makes sense. Not to mention... He's fucking got burnt. He was on fire. Four years ago he caught on fire. And then he got like stabbed a ton of times. Got the shit beaten out of him by a mob. Like he survives his injuries. He always survives his injuries. But he doesn't regenerate. When his eye gets poked out in the original film. It didn't regenerate. When his fingers got shot off in Halloween 2018, they didn't regenerate. The injuries still take a toll on Michael. He hasn't transcended. Like, he, he hasn't killed that many people. It makes complete sense that he's this way. They've been setting this up since, since 2018. I just, I don't... He's supposed to be, what, invincible? I mean, he's never been invincible. Never. Whenever he gets shot... He falls down. He doesn't, he doesn't fucking shake it off or fucking whatever. 
whenever he gets stabbed in the neck by Lori with the knitting needle in the original film, it takes him out for a minute. The the injuries are very much affecting Michael. That's always been the fact. He always comes back from it. It doesn't mean he comes back better. So in 2018, he's been in incarceration for 40 years. You think he's strong then? He's not burnt. So that if you're wondering why he's worse in 20 or in Halloween Ends versus 2018, he's not nearly as injured in 2018. Sartain causes the bus crash, facilitates Michael's ability to kill. Michael's already up to power with the help of someone. Sartain has helped him. Oh, look. Because it wasn't on screen, did you all forget that in 2018, Michael teamed up with someone? Michael teamed up with Sartain? Oh, did you also forget that Sartain put on the Michael mask? And that Michael killed him for putting on the Michael mask? Sound familiar? Holy shit. Did they set this up prior? That's right, they fucking did. They did. They set this up in 2018. All this has been set up for years. You just chose not to see it. You gotta see it. You got to see it. You gotta understand. This has all been set up. 2018 is set up so that you, as a fan, can understand that Michael is not invincible. Michael is not God. Michael is fucking Michael Myers. He's a dude that's, and he's infected with evil, he is evil, he's the devil, and, but he's not, if he's invincible, then he can fucking walk out of the asylum, when, or, he can walk out of Smith's Grove Sanitarium whenever he wanted. Like, really, like, what are they gonna do? Michael's not invincible. Never has been, never will be, well, I guess he, he could be, I mean, in a different timeline. Not in this timeline. And they set that up. And they've set up that he's worked with people before. If you don't like that, take that up with Debbie Gordon Green. If you didn't catch that, sorry, it's your fault. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. You can see this from, from 2018. You're seeing it now. You're seeing it take place. They set all this up. Sorry to get so passionate. It's just, I hate seeing so much negativity and then people comparing it to prior films and saying, well, this didn't happen in this film, or this happened in this film, but it doesn't happen in this film, but all of this does tie together. You just chose not to see it the way that, that it was meant to be seen. Where was I before I cre freaked out? I guess we're talking about uh, Corey and Michael double-teaming Doug and Michael getting back his power. We're seeing his transcendence into evil. He's starting to regain shape. Become become this evil again. That's what Michael's doing whenever they kill Doug. And now now Corey's seeing how Michael does it and that, that evil is really starting to infect Corey. Corey is full gone crazy. He's there. Um he's fucking Going and visiting the, the Strode house and staring at Lori the same way Michael did in 78. I mean, the same way. Like, it, it might as well be the damn same shot as her looking out the window and seeing the sheets and Michael standing there. Except this time it's a bush and it's Corey. I mean, it's the same fucking shot. Very well done. Corey's there, stalking. She can tell. And now Lori's alerted. Lori wants to stop. Corey because she thinks that she sees in Corey what she saw in Michael. She's right. She does see the same thing she sees in Corey that she does see in Michael. So what Lori sees in Corey will come up again later whenever she talks to Allison. But for the meantime, Corey and Michael go to kill Dr. Mathis and the nurse. And I love this scene. Well, I love this scene because of one thing. The scarecrow mask that Corey wears at the Halloween party earlier. This scarecrow's mask is fucking dope. Awesome design by Christopher Nelson. Christopher Nelson does a great job with the effects of this movie. With the mask that he made Allison for the Halloween party. And with the, the makeup effects that they did on James Jude Courtney for the unmasked Michael. I mean the effects look great. There's an effect later in this movie that I fucking love that he did. I mean, Christopher Nelson's at his best here. For those of you who don't know Christopher Nelson, he is the special effects makeup artist. He's also 
the cop, I forget the cop's name, but he gets killed by Michael, head chopped off and made into a jack-o'-lantern in 2018. He's in a podcast called The Thing with Two Heads with Sean Clark. Awesome podcast. Check their podcast out. It's a big inspiration for why I made my podcast. But he is done a great job here. Um, the mask looks great, and these effects are awesome. Uh, you see Dr. Well, she, the nurse is taking a shower, and Dr. Mathis is out there. Next time you see Dr. Mathis, he's got a bag over his head and blood's everywhere, and Corey's stabbing him with a fucking cork. I guess not a cork, a corkscrew. And you get to see Michael come out and stab her and do a similar kill that we see with Bob in 1978's film. It's a fun sequence, and I love the Scarecrow mask. I would have loved to see more of it, but it makes sense why he dons the Myers mask, which also pissed people off, but makes complete sense. But yes, this these kills happen, and <clears throat> forgive me, but my memory might be a little wrong here. I think it's that night that Corey goes back and lays down uh, and sleeps in Jeremy's house where Jeremy died, and Lori is there the next morning, and Lori has an interaction with Corey. Now, at first I thought this was a dream sequence, Mostly because Lori has these paper planes that she's throwing. And if you remember, on the 2019 night at the very beginning of the film, they're making paper airplanes. But it's not a dream sequence. It's very much real. It's revealed that it is real. And Lori says that he needs to stop seeing Allison. Lori's trying to protect her granddaughter. Lori, Lori's telling him that if she he doesn't stop seeing Allison... She might have to kill him. And then she's gone. And this is the further point to help drive the plot. Uh, this is Corey now telling Allison exactly what happened. Telling her that they need to get out of here. And now Corey is planning on this massive attack on Haddonfield. The evil has completely infected him. This the, And by the evil has completely infected him. This is a scene that whenever Corey is with Allison on the on the radio station and they're looking at the radio tower which is shown before in prior movies she looks at his hand it's got his cut on it from whenever the bullies push him into the glass and she goes it's infected the infection is taking Corey over Corey is fully evil now he now is going to go on this rampage and unleash hell on Haddonfield just like Michael does to do this, he goes and wrestles Michael to the ground and takes his mask. And people are like, that doesn't make sense. How could he st How could he stop Michael? How could Corey throw Michael to the ground? It doesn't make sense. Remember in 1978, whenever Michael and Lori were wrestling and she wrestled his mask off? Huh. I do. That's weird. A 17-year-old girl did that in 1978. You don't believe a 24, 25-year-old man could do that in Halloween Ends? And not, I mean, you're talking Michael's in, a, in, is in his 20s. He's 21 in 78, and now he's in his 60s? You don't believe that can happen? Really? Really? You know, I think you forget that. That that happened in 1978. That Michael got his mask wrestled off. That's what, how people that don't like this film. They, they say. I just don't see how Michael could have gotten his mask wrestled and taken off. It's happened before. It's literally happened in the same continuation. In the same timeline. How, how does it not make sense? It makes perfect sense. For those of you that like this movie and hear me going off like this. I'm so sorry. I just don't like seeing critics saying that this movie doesn't make sense. Whenever... It makes plenty of sense. I, man, I hope David Gordon Green sees this and is like, dude, this guy knows everything. Yeah, I fucking studied this. I studied this, David. I studied everything that you fucking did for the past four years since 2018 and tried to understand what all of it meant. Come on the show. If you ever watch this, I highly doubt it. I'm probably going to get 15 views. And let's talk about it because I think a lot of people just misunderstood what you were doing here. The reason why... Corey takes Michael's mask is to show that evil can take different shapes. Corey is a different person. 
Michael Myers in the original is references the shape. That's something that we've continued to do here. Evil takes different shapes. Evil takes the shape of Corey. That's the whole point of Corey's storyline. Is to show that evil has taken a different shape. It's what makes it so good. That's why I love this film. Is it's, it's daring to be different. But it's also doing what it's set up before. In many ways it's like Halloween ends. Season of the Witch. And you're probably wondering... Well, how is it like Season of the Witch? Because it dares to be different. It dares to be something else. I love Season of the Witch. Like I said earlier, top three. And it dares to do that. It dares to go where no other Halloween film goes. And that's what I like about it. Let me tell you. The scenes with Corey, Corey's kills are fucking awesome. Corey's kills make me wish that he doesn't die at the end of this movie. It really makes me wish. Passing the mantle to Corey Cunningham. Like... People would hate that. But why not? <laughs> why not have passed the mantle? Why not have someone take on the role of evil besides Michael Myers? Why not have something, someone else take the shape? Like, that's such a cool thing. That's why he's the shape. He's the shape of evil. Now, of course, in 78, it was just because he, he's the shape. It's, it's like a silhouette. But David Gordon Green has made it, or the shape is the shape of evil. And that's the symbolism behind the mask. That's why it's so important that Corey takes the mask. Yes, it would have been cool to see Corey maintain the Scarecrow mask. But he takes the Myers mask because he's taking shape. He's taking on the mantle. He's becoming evil. The kills that he does in the Myers mask are fucking top tier. First, he goes and kills his mom. That's the scene that got cut. There's a lot of footage. Well, not footage, but... There's pictures of her covered in blood. We don't get that. For better or worse, we don't get that. Then we see him take on the bullies. The bullies are fun. And this pays big old fucking tribute to Christine. Where, uh, fuck me. I'm not going to remember his name right now. But Arnie's friend, which it'll come to me right when I finish filming. I already know it. Carves Darnell's tonight into Christine's hood. And that's where the showdown goes on. Well, now, Corey Cunningham's carving into the hood of the bullies. Uh, I think it was Loser or something like that. And they chase him into his father's garage. And he fucking kills him. And one of my favorite kills in this entire movie is Corey with the blowtorch burning out head honcho's face. I mean, I love that scene. I really love that scene crazy thing about it is of course they're not gonna do it to a real person they, they got like a uh fake doll or whatever but rohan actually did that they didn't get a stunt person to go and do the torching they actually got rohan to do it and chris nelson posted a behind the scenes photo of rohan doing that i thought that was super cool just love little details like that uh, it's head honcho dude that I just don't know the name of that kills Corey's dad who I think Corey's dad is a good person I don't think Corey would have killed his own father because I think Corey's father is the only bright spot in Corey's life besides Allison Corey's father is giving him a motorcycle so he can get to work on time Corey's father seems like he genuinely cares about Corey and I don't think Corey would have done anything to his father but I also don't think that he reacts to his father's death because of the manifestation of evil. And he's just so far gone at that point. So that he just completely slaughters these kids. And man, <laughs> it feels kind of good. You, you, you know it feels kind of good to watch Corey kill them kids. Y you know it. I mean, them, those kids got what they deserve, you know? Fuck them kids, bro. <laughs> Fuck them. That was such a fun scene. I loved it. I loved seeing Corey kill these assholes. Uh, I know I don't know if you're supposed to, but I sure as hell did. Not only them, I enjoyed watching Corey kill the radio station host. It was awesome seeing Darcy the male girl get a uh, get a cameo in there. They cut her death makes sense. I mean, all the deaths that they tried to show Corey commit were kind of meaningful deaths, so it didn't really make sense to have this random receptionist at this radio station get killed but him killing the dj and cutting his tongue off awesome kill you, you guys killed it with the Corey kills so much fun Corey's rampage is a big big part of why i love this film 
because it makes sense. Meanwhile, Allison's leaving. She's getting ready to go meet Corey. Uh, her and, and Lori have this big falling out where Lori's like, she, I don't want you to go with him. I see in him what I see with Michael. And Allison does point out that Lori has been obsessed with Michael her entire life. Completely valid. But then she blames Lori for the death of her parents. Really? Really, Allison? You were in the car with Sartain. You know damn well who freed Michael. You knew damn well who brought Michael to your parents. You were the one that left the hospital, which got your mom to follow you. And Halloween kills and got her killed. Really? I, I fucking hate that. Like, I don't know if that... That doesn't turn me off to the movie. But that's what makes me drop the score to this movie of what it will be when you see it at the end. But why? Why have that? What's the whole fucking point? To create a divide? She can be like, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't... I want to be free of Haddonfield. And that'd be just fine. But for her to blame Lori? Blame Lori for the death of her parents? What? Does that make sense? Make that make sense to me. She was in the car with Sartain. She was the one in Halloween Kills that's like, well, no, Michael's not going after, after Grandma. Uh, he's just... On a rampage, and Sartain made that happen. But for some reason, she doesn't. I, I just I didn't understand any of the interactions of people blaming Lori. Like it's one thing to be like, I wish that, like, I wish she'd kill him forty years ago. Sure, whatever. Like the Hawkins situation. Like Hawkins blaming himself for not killing Michael forty years earlier. Whatever. Fine, that works. But to say like. That she's responsible for the rampage in 2018? Doesn't make sense, man. I, I just hate that. I hate that for Allison. I hate that for Andy. Because Andy's character deserves way better. She's been one of the bright spots of this sequel trilogy for Halloween. Um, So I just feel like that was just such a bad spot for the Allison character. And I just really wish that didn't happen. But nonetheless, it does. And this is the conclusion of the film is Corey is going to go kill Lori because Lori doesn't want him to be with Allison. Lori's in the house. There's an awesome scene where she calls and says, I have to report a suicide. She shoots a pumpkin and opens the door and shoots Corey in his chest. Corey falls. Uh, and then Corey does the craziest fucking thing and stabs himself in the neck and says, if it, if I can't have Allison, no one can. But Allison blames Lori, drives off, and Lori walks away. And surely enough, the shape is there. And you know what the shape does? Remember what shape did to, to Sartain in 2018, the last person that wore the Myers mask? He killed him. So what does he do with Corey? He kills him. That's on par with what's happened so far with the the whole trilogy is Michael kills these people that's worked with him before that don his mask because at the end of the day he is the shape of evil. So we get the epic conclusion, the epic showdown of Lori and Michael. And though okay, I do want to say something. I know that sometimes I get off on these little rants. I know this isn't the best structured podcast that I've done. I've done way better ones. So much that happens in this film that I just have to get off my chest. I didn't watch the trailer. I think I said that early in the video. When I did finish this movie and go and watch the trailer, the trailer does set this up to be a completely different movie than it is. So I understand people that are upset that they thought this whole movie was going to be this epic conclusion. The epic conclusion of this film is badass. The Lori vs. Michael showdown is awesome. And it's executed perfectly. But it's not this whole film. Like, I don't know where I'm getting at. But I guess what I'm really just trying to say is that the showdown is amazing. Lori's showdown with Michael is fucking awesome. And 
the trailer really hammered home that that was what this movie was about. And though it's not what this movie was about, it was one of the bright parts of this movie. I love the showdown. I love seeing this just raw battle. It feels so... It doesn't feel over the top. It feels realistic in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. But a big part of it is Michael grabs Lori, starts choking her, and she starts seeing her life flash before her eyes. This podcast is about to get weird. Because I'm going to talk about the movie that this should have been. Not the movie that this was, but how it should have ended. How it should have ended was the original way that it was supposed to. Because it would have paid off everything that they had set up. The reason that she is having her life flash before her eyes is the same reason that Corey had his life flash before his eyes earlier. Michael is possessing Lori with evil. That doesn't happen in the film. I'm just saying that's originally what was supposed to happen. That would have completed this. That would have made this whole timeline fucking work. Because like I said earlier, 2018 sets Lori up. Taking the spot that Michael was in back in the original 78 film. It was pointing to this. It didn't happen. Maybe for better, maybe for worse. I'm interested to see what that would have been like. But we do get the ending where she takes on Michael. Allison is driving down the road, gets a call from Hawkins saying that there was a suicide reported. And then she sees the burning tower and realizes that earlier, whenever they were talking about burning it all down, well, Corey did it. And that Lori was right. Corey did it. Corey burned it down. Corey burnt the tire, or, or caught the tower on fire. And it clicks. It makes sense to Allison. She turns around to go see her mom. Or her not her mom. Her mom's dead. Her grandma. Saves her grandma from Michael. They slit Michael's throat. Slit his wrists. Tie him up to the, the top of their car. And drive it to the junkyard that, that Corey worked at. And grind Michael up into some ground meat. And that is the epic conclusion. You have everyone there to send Michael goodbye. And Allison leaves and Lori talks to Hawkins. And you get this awesome shot of these rooms from the film. It mimics the 1978 film before rolling into the credits with Don't Fear the Reaper. Man, I just really like this film. I really hope this film gets the same treatment Halloween 3 does where people come around to it. Because I really think this is such a good movie. I really hope that if you listen to this podcast, and I know that I go on and on and on about things, and that I can get off track real quick, but I hope that I, if you are a fan, I hope I helped you see things that maybe you didn't see before. If you're not a fan, I hope I reintroduced you to this idea. I hope that you see this movie for what I see it as, and it's a really good movie. Now, obviously, it has its flaws. I called out the flaws. I feel... I feel I was fair to it. I said what I didn't like. I said what didn't make sense. But I also pointed out the the story that they've been setting up has been set up since the beginning. There's certain things I wish did happen. I wish Corey did happen at the beginning. From 2018, I wish we got introduced to Corey. Uh, I wish that Lindsay's character, this wasn't talked about, I wish Lindsay's character was a little more in-depth. I mean, she just felt like a fucking side character. Not that her character... Was always an important character. But in Kills they made her a pretty big important character. I don't get why they didn't follow up. Obviously things changed. The pandemic happened. Whatever this movie was going to be a couple years ago. It's not now. But I will say it probably kept a lot of it's integrity. Because a lot of this film makes sense. Given the previous two films. Now I do want to get into the rating. I rate this film a 7 out of 10. I think this film is great. Obviously not the best. Uh, it's not even the best in this trilogy. I say 2018 is the best. Twenty or Kills is the most fun. But this is the one I enjoyed the most. And I think this is such a fitting conclusion. And it gives something new. And it will be a film that us Halloween fans will talk about for a long time to come. 
Now, I hope y'all are having an awesome Halloween. I thank you all so much for turning in to my first Halloween special. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know. Smash the like button. If you didn't, smash the dislike button. But you should subscribe. That way you can hear me talk about other films. And hear me analyze those films. Check out my previous videos. I thank everyone for tuning in. It means the absolute world to me. And as always, stay horrifying, my dudes.